Welcome, everyone, to episode 15 of Where's This Going? We have another great show for you today, but first, I have a couple of very big announcements. My website, felix-levine.com, is now up and running. There you can find all previous podcasts. You can also find the video versions of the podcast. You can find pictures from every single recording, testimonials from past guests. If you are a sponsor and interested in sponsoring the show, there you can find all the contact information. And if you are a fan or someone who has something, hopefully, nice to say to me, you can also contact me directly there. And my website was designed by a man named Richard James. And in getting to work with Richard a lot, I was able to learn a little bit more about him, and he has an incredible story that I wanted to share with you today. Richard has managed to live with rheumatoid arthritis for over 10 years without medication, and recently launched a website to share his story of how he dealt with it, so that other people in similar situations can learn and know they aren't alone. If you or someone you know is suffering from rheumatoid arthritis, there is absolutely hope. Check out Through Arthritis, that's T-H-R-O-U-G-H, arthritis.com to learn about the changes that you can make today to help your body heal. If you're also interested in hiring Richard as a web designer, I would highly recommend it. And of course, contact me and I will put you in touch. Also very excited to announce today that we have a new sponsor in the Republic of Tea. The Republic of Tea enriches people's lives with great-tasting premium teas and herbs, innovation and education, emphasizing a sip-by-sip rather than a gulp-by-gulp lifestyle, offering over 300 varieties. The Republic of Tea has delicious, aromatic selections for everyone. Check out the new Beautifying Botanicals and Organic Single Sips, as well as savor the classics like Ginger Peach Black Tea and Organic Double Green Matcha. Every shipment includes free samples, so you can discover new tastes along with your favorites. Visit republicoftea.com to explore the many ways to delight in tea. Reward yourself as you create your own tea ritual with the Republic of Tea. Listeners to this podcast can get free shipping using promo code PODCASTFS. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-F-S. For free shipping on all of your orders until the end of 2019. Go check it out today. I also want to give a big shout out and thank you to my other sponsor, U.S. Wellness Meats. At U.S. Wellness Meats, they have over 400 all-natural whole foods in their online store at uswellnessmeats.com. All of their foods are raised on family farms dedicated to sustainable and ethical principles. They do not use any pesticides, herbicides, antibiotics, growth hormones, or GMOs. The owners are the farmers themselves, and they supply nutrient-dense, all-natural foods to professional football and baseball teams, colleges, individual athletes at the highest levels of every sport, health professionals, respected gourmet chefs, fine dining establishments, and families all over the country and in every single state, Canada, and Puerto Rico, who are looking for simply the best food on the planet. They ship anywhere in the country for only $9.50 for shipping and handling, and most orders are delivered within 24 to 48 hours of leaving their facilities. And my next guest, I am so incredibly honored to have her on the show today. She is a co-host along with her good friend Corinne Fisher, from the Guys We Fucked, the Anti-Slut-Shaming podcast. She has a show called This Is Not Happening with Ari Shafir. She is a stand-up comic. She also has written a book. She does it absolutely all. Please welcome the brilliant and fantastic Christina Hutchinson. (laughs) 
And we're live. I'm here with Christina Hutchinson. Thank you very much for coming on to the show today. My pleasure. So as I mentioned to you before, I like to start off with a little something that the world may not know about Christina Hutchinson. Yeah. I I eat in bed a lot. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Nice reaction. Why is that? Um, it's, I, um, did you eat your meal today in bed? How was that? No, uh, I ate lunch. No, I didn't go back to bed to eat in the middle of the day, Uh. but uh, I eat in bed at night a lot. I'm a huge snacker and I get hungry. I'm, my appetite's weird because I don't have a big one. And so, but uh, I won't eat a lot throughout the day. Like I'll eat meals and stuff like a person, but, uh, I'll get really hungry really late at night and then I'll just be in bed and then I'll sneak up to the fridge. Even though I live alone, I'm like, ooh, I hope no one catches me. And uh, just hoard food. Are you not afraid of getting crumbs in your bed ever? Are you good about that? Uh, You know, crumbs in the bed is a sign of sadness. So I I try to be um, really on top of it and get a lot of paper towels and eat over that. But, you know, sometimes you can't help it and you got to wipe off the crumbs in the next morning. What percent of your meals do you eat in bed? I would say I snack in bed um, 80% of my evenings that I'm at home. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. Anyways. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for not judging me. No, I really appreciate I'm, this open no, space. I, I, <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> um, that's the first, I think that's the first person we've had that, that eats in bed or that I know of that's that like, that, of. that, that really I likes to eat you. in bed. Yeah. Yeah. Pro- probably do. I don't know if I like it. I just do it. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. <laughs> so let's, uh, there's one question that I actually was kind of curious. I've, the past day and a half, I think I've had your voice in my head consistently. Oh. I was listening to, I re-listened actually to, to you on Rogan. Oh, yay. You and Corinne on said. Rogan. Uh, That's pretty good, right? That's a pretty good interview. I mean, you, Rogan, Corinne. I know, right? Couldn't ask for more. I agree. But anyways, uh, I was listening to a lot of, I also listened to the latest one with Kathy Griffin mm-hmm. um, on Guys We Fucked. And what I really like about your show is you know, and you guys talk about it a lot, is bringing subjects that make a lot of people uncomfortable, mm-hmm. trying to bring comfort. But I also wonder sometimes if how you find that that fine line between saying basically what's on your mind as authentically as possible and also, you know, it's never, and to my eyes, vulgar. So how do you kind of find that fine line of, you know, being open, but also not being overly graphic or vulgar in a way that, you know, turns people off and doesn't make them want to listen. Yeah, I think the key to that is not giving a fuck how you come off um, and just truly talking from the heart. That's really it. I think the second you get in your head about how is this going to come off or how are people going to receive that, you're, you're, you're fucked. Like it's, it's probably going to come off as too pushy or something because you're concerned with that. It's we basically wanted to take the conversations that you have with your friends inside your living room and, and bring them to a larger platform. And part of that is just speaking like no one's listening. Do you ever, do you ever regret anything you say on it? Uh, no, I really don't. Because everything I've said, I, re- I guess the only time I've ever regretted is if it hurts somebody's feelings. Or there's been a couple times where... Uh, a close friend of mine, uh, a lot of my close friends listen to the podcast and something will be happening in my life and I'll talk about it on the podcast to Corinne because Corinne and I are so close and I won't tell them, not on purpose, but uh, they're like, I wish you would have told me that before you, and I'm like, oh, sorry. Um, and I try, if I talk about guys that I'm fucking because I'm single, um, I really, I, the only thing I go into the conversations with in my mind is to to keep the their personal details private, like their name, anything that's part of their story. 
I really don't want to open up for discussion on like what's going on in their life because I'm just coming at it from my perspective and I don't ever want to put words in people's mouths. I don't think, I think I've been doing a good job of, of that, but you know, never say never. I probably fucked it up a few times. Are there any guys that kind of know based on this podcast feel sometimes like a little worried or anxious that what they're going to say or do is going to end up I mean, yeah. even if you're not going to, you know, disclose their names. Yeah, for sure. But my 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 thing with that is I don't do, and I, I don't believe I come across to this with guys that I see. Uh, I don't do things just to talk about them on the podcast. I did when I had sex with a prostitute, uh, a male sex worker. Um, I I did that because I wanted to, but also I'm like, this is going to be a whoo story. Other than that, everything I've done with my dating and sex life is because I want to do it. So, uh so yeah, I don't think I've I've flubbed up yet, but uh, there's always time. There's always time. What what was the harshest criticism or oh, email that you've that you've received? I know you guys often get many many emails, good and bad. Yeah, yeah. And but you know, there's I can imagine there's some uh, some pretty terrible people out there. There are some terrible people out there. I really think we we're Kern and I are a little lucky, a little spoiled in that. When we ever get an, when someone takes the time to write us an email and to express a concern or a critique, honestly, I I welcome those. Um, A lot of times people say things or they'll notice things about me that they'll call me out on and I'll get mad at them because they're right. So that to me is an indicator of like, you're getting angry because you don't want this to be true about you, but they kind of called you out on your shit, Um, which I also welcome. I really like. Um, The harshest criticisms we get are from people who don't listen to the show really. Or we're dumb whores. I mean, it's so ha- it's so it's also hack to me that I don't I really don't care. I used to care because I used to have this mindset of like, why would anybody be mean? Like, why just don't be mean? Be kind. It's just not that hard. But um, but I'm realizing as we as you're like d game internet fame, it, you're subject to all the piranhas, and that's t- something that comes with the territory. I know that like when, and we're certainly not at this level, but like when paparazzi, uh, you know, stalk a celebrity, saying that it comes with the territory is is a shitty, cunty thing to say. But with this, being on the internet, you're gonna open yourself up to to people criticizing you. A lot of Reddit threads about us um, and that are, that I don't read, but Corinne reads because she's got thicker skin than me. And I know myself well enough that I'm like, if you can't handle this, then don't look at it. Um, If it's gonna keep you up at night, it's just not worth giving your energy to. But yeah, the, the the toughest critiques are probably you should be raped, you should be killed and skull fucked and you know, all that stuff. But honestly, in retrospect, it's all kind of funny. <laughs> Is what's what was the best or most inspirational oh. letter you've ever gotten? Oh my God. There's been so many, so many, truly. Um Well, you wanna get you wanna get deep? You wanna get really as, intense right now? As deep okay. as you get. Um, we're, I'm usually not a fan of trigger warnings, but because um, trigger is uh, that word is overused a lot, and it but it is an actual psychological term that can you know really fuck people up. So so I will say that this is about a very intense subject um, about rape and incest. Um, but we I'll never forget where I was when I read this email. I was in the grocery store and it just stopped me in my tracks. Um, a, a listener, I think in her 30s, emailed us about a really terrible experience she had in her life. Um, Her dad raped her uh, several times um, and had administered two abortions via clothes hanger on her. And on her 10th birthday, yeah, on her 10th birthday, her 
her biological father invited a few of his friends over to gang rape her and she ran away uh, to a Kroger grocery store and was uh, put in child services and got adopted by a really wonderful family and is doing great. And uh, I got that email and I forwarded to Corinne. I'm like, oh my God. And um, that was also at a point where we were a little naive to the fact that so many people have been molested or assaulted or raped uh, as, you know, in, in their lives. I read, that's something that this podcast has opened my eyes up to. Um, we summarized the email on the podcast. We didn't read it verbatim because I was like, I can't, I don't even yeah. know if I could say these words uh, without breaking down. And the woman emailed us back because she, she heard us summarize her email. And she's like, I just want to let you know, like, I'm okay. Like, I'm doing really well and I'm really happy. And I'm like, Shit, that is, that's, that's incredible. Like it just gives you a lot of perspective on the struggles, uh, things that people carry around with them, strangers that you interact with day to day or just walk by on the street and you have no fucking idea what they're going through. And this inbox of ours has given me an idea of what a lot of people are going through and it has given me more compassion and empathy than I ever thought I could have. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's it's uh, an intense one. It, it's an intense one, but I think it's also you know as I as I kind of mentioned before it. I think it starts a conversation. Yeah, a conversation that's really needed, and I'm also kind of curious as, when you guys are. I don't know what your your process is like if you want to kind of get into it with Corinne on how you guys come up with the content for each of your episodes. Mm-hmm. But do you guys are you guys conscious, or I think you know, from the beginning from when you started to now. Are you more conscious as you get more listeners as well about how many different experiences and people are listening? You know, because yes. it's not it's not just, you know, girls, it's guys, it's it's everyone that and everyone that's had different experiences. Yes, a hundred percent. Um there's nothing that shocks us anymore. Zero. You can people have We've had, oh God, people come up to us after our live shows a lot. For the first year that we were touring, Corinne and I really wanted to make a point to like do a meet and greet anybody who wanted to say hi after the show. Uh, so the first year we would meet people and there'd be like these huge lines of, of, of people who are at our live show. And the people come out to the shows are fucking incredible human beings. And a lot of times I'll know a lot, we get a lot of, I was raped stories, um, from people in the audience and, and how like, Oh, you, you made me feel like, okay, like a normal person again, just by talking about it and reading other people's stories. Um, and I always know that that's what they're about to tell me based off the look in their eye. Like I can kind of, uh, see it coming. And, um, one time we were in Arizona and at the end of the line for the meet and greet, there was a father, a, um, guy, maybe, I don't know, his forties or something. And, he had that look in his eye that he was going to tell me something really intense and um, sweet, sweet man. And he was saying that he had he's listened to the podcast and it kind of helped him be able to get out of a really toxic marriage. And he recommended that his daughter, who was I think sixteen, listen to the podcast and she started listening separately. And um, and then that gave her the courage to tell her dad that she was raped. Wow. And her, the father was like, oh, "My daughter never would have told me that." And so it's crazy because even my own mother, um, who was subject to predatory men at a very young age, I didn't know that about her. And when I, I talk about this story on the podcast, or I have talked about it a bunch. Um, when I lost my virginity, I was 15 
And my mom had asked me at a restaurant when I was like 16 if I was still a virgin. And I didn't want to lie to her, so I said no, because I had a boyfriend at the time that I lost my virginity to. And she walked out of the restaurant and made my dad pick me up, and she was like so disappointed. We, we didn't talk about it. And I was always really scarred from that. And she eventually, I hid the name of the podcast from her for a very long time. And she found out eventually. We had a long discussions about it. She ended up coming on the podcast and we had this amazing discussion and I had the opportunity to ask her all these questions that I never would have asked her. And that's when she told me about these three instances when she was 11 or 12 years old uh, that the men that she she was working for um, either assaulted her or came onto her or like creeped her out to like the, the worst level. And that's, it like connected the dots for me. I'm like, that's why... She was so afraid when she found out I was sexually active because her brain went to, oh my God, I don't want that to happen to her. But people are so afraid to talk about shit um, that that discussion could have been had, but it wasn't um, because it's a tough one to have. But uh, but that kind of created a lot of tension between my mother and I when I was younger. And I feel like after that interview, it was completely resolved. It was, it was crazy. Wow. Yeah. Do you feel like you do this podcast for those people that have experienced traumas and don't know how to articulate their feelings now it is yeah now it's it's certainly the motivation behind uh continuing to do it was there a a turning point where like you start the podcast and i i think i i heard you in an interview say you kind of you guys didn't really expect it to do i mean obviously i I didn't think anybody was gonna listen was there a moment where you're like oh shit yeah we have list people are Paying attention. There's many moments. Uh, the first moment was when the first press piece we ever got was uh, from uh, the Daily Beast. And at the time, we had submitted to have the podcast on iTunes, and iTunes rejected our application. Did not say why, but we were like, we can put two and two together here. Um, and we kind of threw, we threw a fit about it. We, 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 we fucking fuck shit up on Twitter. We had people, we ended up having so many people tweet at Apple's podcast, at Apple Podcasts. I don't know how the fuck they got our number, but the guy from Cupertino, Tino, California called my cell phone, was like, hey, uh, your listeners are pissed. We just want to know it was an oversight. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Just get us on iTunes. But um, but anyway, the Daily Beast uh, press piece was titled The Podcast Too Hot for iTunes. And I remember my boyfriend at the time subscribed to their daily you know, newsletter Every morning they would send an email with all their top articles and that was on it. He was like, oh my God, wake up. You're on the Daily Beast news email. And I'm like, what? And then I had a huge panic attack because I was like, people are going to hear me talk about these very intimate things. But it's kind of like, well, you said it. It will never not be on the internet ever again. So you might as well just get used to it. This open, I mean, the way I see it is like, it's, it's a very confident openness and like mm-hmm. ability that I think that I haven't seen in a lot of people to be able to talk about, you know, stigmatized subjects that no one else really wants to ever talk about. Yeah. Have you always kind of been like this? Were you like as a, as a kid, were you always open about these things or? Not about these things. I kind of stumbled onto the, into this type of curiosity. I'm a very curious person. And when Corinne and I decide who we want to interview on the podcast, we base that decision mostly off of, are we curious about this person? Do I have do I have a couple questions off the top of my head based off of what I know? That's all I need. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's pretty much our go-to with, with, with getting guests. Um, yeah. And as a, as a kid growing up, what were you like? Not really. Cause like, like there's certain subjects that like sex was never talked about in my household ever. 
Um, but I was always curious. I just didn't have the tools in my tool belt at that time to verbalize that I, there's something amiss with the way that like, for example, with the virginity thing, like that didn't feel right the way that my mom was dealing with it, but I didn't have the tools to say, Hey, you know, cause I was 16. I'm like, I, this is making you really uncomfortable, but I don't want this to stump my growth. You know how let's talk about it. Um, but I, my curiosity gets to run amok and really play with this podcast because one of the things that uh, has come out of the curiosity through getting emails from people who are assaulted all the time, for example, this is something that it opened our eyes up to doing the show. I was like, statistically, you know, we have heard from hundreds, it feels like hundreds of thousands of people. And at this point it probably has, is uh, who have been assaulted, who have been raped. I have yet to hear from anybody who has raped and statistically there has to be people listening who have raped a person or are or are rape. I don't, however you want to fucking say it. I don't know. So if you wouldn't mind, because uh, I'm trying to wrap my head around why this is such a huge fucking problem, um, get, making a fake email address and telling me what the fuck is in your head, what's happening. And lo and behold, we got some responses. I remember that part from from Rogan. That was yeah. one of my, that was one of, something that was, I was very curious about. What were, I mean, I think, if I well remember, comes from or some of the responses that I think you you guys went into talk about men that just kind of have like a, had maybe a bad experience with a woman or never experienced anything with any women. Mm-hmm. And they have like this built up either anger mm-hmm. or frustration. Um, but they hate themselves, but because they didn't get any tools to talk. And when you don't know how to communicate feelings and they're like buried inside of you, uh, it's possible that you will explode or you will do things that go against, you know, your values or your morals. I mean, I fucking hope that that's what's, you know, these go against their values and morals. And if you were to speak to them directly, what would you say? I have. Um, Well, it's weird. That's a weird one because there's this part of me that's really thankful for this very specific and unique opportunity to kind of have an understanding but at the same time uh so so the empathy is certainly there for the people that have reached out to us but uh a lot of anger and a lot of so i i but when i respond to them the few that i did respond to because i had to stop it just felt i don't know i had to stop uh responding to them but if it I don't know. I just came at it from a place of curiosity and uh, I asked more questions. I kind of like interviewed them via email. Um, and yeah, it, 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 some people gave me some insight that I kind of thought was the case. One, a couple, two of them, I think two of the guys that they're all guys that had emailed us, us. not to say that women can't rape. Cause again, um, this is a lot harder, but, uh, they, two people, two of the guys said they black out while it's happening. And then they, and then they do hate themselves for it. So I'm like, well, at least, you know, it's wrong, but I don't I, know. You know, I I'm guess. not a psychologist. Yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a behavioral scientist. I Have don't. Have you spoken to, to those kinds of professionals about these topics? Um, no, we haven't. Um, I haven't really, no, I re- and I want to, I really want to, because I'm still like on this mission to, to understand why this is such a fucking problem. And how do you, I mean, you have one of the best, biggest podcasts in the world. How do you keep 
pushing that bar even further and further and improving it yeah. with every episode? Great question. Um, we try and cover topics that have not been covered often on the podcast. It's surprising how many discussions you can have under the umbrella of sexuality. A lot of things have to do with sexuality. A lot. Religion. The shame that religion can come with, I've heard about from some people. Um, uh, obviously, assault is is uh, is under the umbrella of sexuality. And just everything affects sexuality. And that sexuality is the one thing every single human being on this planet has in common, whether they're asexual or whatever it is. Um, if they don't like sex, if they love it, if they love it too much, if they're fucking to fill a void, if they have a healthy sex life. Um, and it's always just this topic that everybody's always going to be curious about because it isn't often discussed. Um, so, yeah. What, I, what I'm also curious, and I want to, to get your point on on this, is when people say feminism, I think half the room kind of sighs. Mm -hmm. And I have friends that are girls that are like, yeah, of course I'm a feminist, but I'm not that feminist. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I've said that too. What do you, why do you think people do that? Uh, that's a cultural thing that I'm not feminist. I'm not that kind of feminist, I think is a, is basically a way of saying like, I'm a cool girl. The thing is being a feminist is cool. So so I've gotten that vernacular out of my head, um, that, that phrase. I didn't really call myself a feminist until people started calling us that. Um, but looking back, I mean, I align with all of those values. And I know that there's various waves of feminism. And I know people do feminism wrong and they do it right. And But I'm not really interested in critiquing that because that's just everyone it feels like everyone's always yelling at each other for everything with the internet and how connected we are so i i try my hardest not to add to that garbage um it's not easy but uh i think feminism just means i want equal respect don't don't i understand that men and women are different but uh i think we're more alike than we are different and i think that uh one of the things that corinne and i kind of one of the missions that evolved from doing the podcast is we want to make feminism relatable to people who say like, I'm a feminist, but I'm not like that kind. Obviously we don't hate men. We, the podcast is called guys. We fucked without men. There'd be no podcast. I love men. I love them. And I um, think that's, that's <laughs> one of the big misconceptions. And even, you know, you read some articles that everyone has an opinion on, on yeah. your podcast, but oh, yeah. what I really appreciate and what I, what I really like about your podcast and for people that don't spend enough time listening to it and can't make that distinction is that you never, I mean, yeah, okay, you bash men that are worth being bashed. Yeah. But you don't. And women. It, yes, equally. Yo, yeah, because that's feminist. That's feminism to me. Women are pieces of shit too. And so are, so and men can be pieces of shit, not, not blanket. But, uh, being, it's important to call women out on their bullshit. It's important to call men out on their bullshit. It's important to call the they's out on their bullshit. You know, it's just just because you are a certain gender or sexual orientation, you are not immune to uh, the value system, whatever that is that we've decided as a society. So I think it's important to not be selective with that. How do you dissociate sometimes, especially because your, your podcast is around something that everyone seems to have an opinion on? Oh, yeah. How do you dissociate from the social media and the comments and kind mm -hmm. of, because I'm sure more yeah. than any other podcast in the world, possibly, you guys, I would imagine, have people that really would love to sh always share their opinions. How do yeah. you kind of like channel that out? Uh, I know that I got to take a fucking break from the, from social media when I just get, when it stresses me out. Do you read comments? Only on my social media. I don't read comments on articles because that's a human trash heap. Uh, 
of a place. And it's just so easy to say something shitty that could possibly, depending on the mood you're in, if you see it, could fuck you up for uh, 10 minutes or longer. So it's just, it's not worth it for me. Um, we started, the reason why we started getting all these emails is because we started reading the SoundCloud comments on our SoundCloud page because that's where the podcast lived initially when we weren't allowed on iTunes yet. And uh, some of the comments were just shitty, stupid, like fuckboy comments and I thought it was really funny so I'd read them in funny voices and then we're like, well, if you, if you want to email us, you can. And we gave out our email address and then from there it's history. But uh, yeah, I don't read, I don't read Reddit threads. Corinne does. Corinne actually, like, Corinne's really interested in all of the harsh critiques, soft critiques, all of the stuff. Um, and I think it's more interesting too, everybody's going to remember the negative shit that gets said to them and way more than the positive. And so when that, and I don't want to be like that, but that's human nature. So when that kind of starts to overtake my brain where I'm like festering on something someone said, I just, I, I'm really good with giving myself a break and saying, don't pick up the phone. In the beginning, was it hard? Did it ever get to you or ruin your day or? Um, it ruined, no, not really. It, it ruined my day when um, the, the comments about... <laughs> It ruined my day when the people said we were racist. Um, uh, just that though, that slew of articles because right. I was like, wow, okay. Because uh, Corinne always said, she's like, we're going to get some, this is going to happen to us. We're going to get like publicly shamed on the internet for something. Um, and uh, and she was right. And, um, and it's one of those things where when that happens to you, no one wants to hear from you because whatever you say is going to be either defensive or bullshit or whatever it's going to be. Like nothing you say is going to be correct. And for me as a person, when I feel backed into a corner just in my daily life with my friends, with my family, with anybody, coworkers, uh, where I feel like I'm being backed into a corner, I have a very difficult time uh, getting out of that cloud. And so that was a situation where it was like I couldn't go on my social media for – Two weeks. I mean, it's not the end of the world. Who gives a shit? I just didn't go on Instagram and Twitter for a while, which is fine. But uh, because I feel like I had all these things I wanted to say and like, you didn't listen to the next episode where we apologize. That was a 2014, all this shit. I'm like, just stop. People are going to take it how they will and then it, it will fade. And that's it, kind of, when shit fades like that, I'm like, did you even really care? Because I am all for saying that, hey, that's fucked up what you said. Let's have a discussion about it. I'm so open for that discussion. But then when people just come at you with like a death threat because they thought you were uh, saying something that was really racially insensitive, I'm like, you don't, you just want to be right. Like you don't give a shit about this. But there was, we had a lot of great discourse with people about it. A lot of great conversations about, you know, hey, what you said really disappointed me. Like that, I'm like, let's talk. If you are, if you have the energy in you to tell me why, first of all, thank you because you don't have to do that. And I imagine that's fucking exhausting. And second of all, like, yeah, let's, I am all ears. I want to listen. With regards to that particular situation, what's the dialogue like, you know, with you and Corinne? Um, well, the morning that all of those articles came out, it was kind of funny. I was actually just talking about this. Um, I have, a, I work with the, uh, a personal trainer that I've worked with for, for years. And, uh, she, I had to, had a session that morning. I woke up and I used to read the news on my phone before I physically got out of bed that morning. I did the same and I opened up my Buzzfeed news app. It was the first article. And then I was like, uh, a nice way to wake I was up. like, Oh fuck. Oh fuck. Yeah. Oh fuck. I get, I physically get out of bed and pl go to plant my feet on the floor. My bedroom is in the basement of the, the apartment building and uh, I, I sat in, 
three inches of water, my apartment was flooding. It wasn't even raining. It was like a water main break. And I was like, it's like a fun day. This is just so yeah. bullshit. And like my trainer came over. I'm like, can you help me clean up the water? I'm not racist. Oh my God. And um, it was fucking hilarious. And I, the whole time I was like, this is going to be funny one day. It's going to be funny one day. I'm going to be fine. Um, but yeah. What was the original question? I forget. The dialogue between you and Corinne. Oh, between Corinne and I. So I texted Corinne and I was like, Oh, fuck. And she, I was so much more affected by it than her because she understand. I understand the nature of the internet and how shit works. Um, and, but she understands it in a way that she really actually understands it and doesn't let her emotions carry her away. And so I was just like, what do we do? And she's like, release a statement. We just kind of like powwow. Like we want to, you know, handle this the right way, but who, no one knows what the right way is. But yeah, I was just, I texted her. I was like, fuck, 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 fuck. She's like, I don't need that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, 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 okay. Does that did that experience change or make you think twice sometimes about something you're gonna say? Oh well, yeah, yes. It, it it. I think the ideal takeaway from that situation is if if somebody says something that's racially insensitive for this, this particular example, you want to listen, just listen and understand, and don't be defensive about it, right? So so that certainly made me think about the way that I speak and making sure that ignorant shit doesn't come out of my mouth. The thing is, if I have ignorant shit that comes out of my mouth, I need to get the ignorant shit out of my mouth because I'm not saying it because I'm trying to be like, I'm ignorant. But I, to get called out on that is actually a gift. And so how do I know that what I'm saying is, is, uh, is insensitive unless people tell me, hey, that wasn't fucking cool. Even though I didn't even whatever um so but yeah so that's uh it certainly made me more aware of that it, it it's weird because it made me never want to talk about anything to do with any race other than my own um but i'm like no that's not that's not the way that that's not the attitude that i want to have with it because i still want to be curious and open and listen and inquisitive and if i say something stupid like please call me out i'm not going to be like you're wrong do you feel like because when you're talking to a microphone, millions of people listen, you have more of an elevated sense of responsibility. Yeah. Yep. Is that something that scares you or do you? Yeah, it's scary, but it's scary in a really good way. It's like an honor to be scared of that. And did you ever imagine 10 years ago, this would be the position being today? Not a fucking clue, Felix. You started, when did you first start getting into comedy? I always wanted to be on Saturday Night Live. That was my first ever dream that probably started festering around six or seven years old. My mom uh, had uh, depression, and when I was a kid, a little kid, she was hopped up on all of these medications that she had no business being on, but the doctors, psychiatrists can really uh, be a holier-than-thou um, and say that the side effects you're experiencing are in your head or whatever the fuck. It, it's a really fucked up. The health, obviously the healthcare here blows but yeah. one of the things my personal experience is that with my mother anyways that doctors didn't listen to her she's like you don't understand like i want to like drive my car into a ditch or whatever like this isn't normal and they're like well, just like give it another week fuck you um so so yeah i um wait what was the original question i got so into your that tangent. you're thinking about mom oh uh, yeah how you got into comedy getting into comedy so the mom with depression, where that comes in is like, I was always trying to make my mom laugh. And, and whenever my parents would laugh, it would just, I would be the happiest child in the world. Cause I just love nothing more than to see them happy. Are you an only child? Uh, no, I'm, I'm the youngest of two. Um, my, I have an older brother, eight years older than me. 
And uh, but I would try to entertain everybody in the household when it, when I felt like the energy wasn't great, and it wasn't great a lot of the time. So I was always like, and so I remember my parents just really laughing a lot at uh, the older, the 90s, early 2000s Saturday Night Live uh, episodes. And I fell in love with Saturday Night Live because Gilda Radner was one of my first heroes because she was an example of a grown woman who acts like a child. And I was like, you can do that because that's what I want my life to be. I didn't know, I thought you had to grow up and be boring. One thing I wanted to promise myself, and I did this, I promised myself this when I was really young, was like, you will not have a boring life. That's, that's my biggest fear. And I do not have a boring life. It's the best life. It truly is incredible. Do you remember the first time you did stand-up? Oh, yeah. Yes, bombed I did. Bombed or do we kill oh, it? Oh, neither. Uh, I wouldn't say I bombed. Corinne was there because um, we met when I interned for her company. And so a couple years later, I graduated college, invited her. I wanted to get into stand-up. So I, I, I moved to New York City, transferred colleges so that I can intern at Saturday Night Live. Because I was like, if I... There has to, I want to get an in there. How do I get an in? They have interns. Okay. Cause I got to, oh, I got to move to New York. I got to be in college. You have to have college credits in for term for NBC. So I was like, I'm moving sophomore year of college. I transferred schools to Marymount Manhattan. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get this fucking internship, but I'm going to do it. Interviewed three times. The fourth time, Dina Moles, this wonderful woman who works in production there. She called me and she was like, it was my last semester of my senior year. So it was the last opportunity. And the thing is with Saturday Night Live is when you intern for them, no one quits. Like you never want to not, you never want to stop working right. there. And uh, so she was like, I mean, you're really, you're qualified and we love you, but like, there's no, there's nothing for you to do. I'm sorry. Like we can't, there's just no positions. I was, I wasn't sure if somebody was going to leave. And I was like, okay, well, if anybody decides to quit, you can call me. And she's like, okay. And 20 minutes later, she calls me back and she's like, you know what? Come in on Tuesdays and Saturdays. We'll figure it out. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> oh, my God. And um, the end, the last day of my internship, um, the last episode of Saturday Night Live, they, they have after parties after every episode. But this particular um, after party following the season finale is on the ice skating rink of 30 Rock. And everyone's invited. Interns are not invited to the after parties. Only the after after parties. Um, and so... I got whiskey in me and I went up to one of the writers and I was like, what do I got to do to get on the show? And he said, stand up. It was John Lutz who told me this and he's an improv guy. He's a UCB guy. And I thought he was going to say do improv. And so, cause I was, and I was, that's what I was prepared to do. But when he says stand up, I was like, oh, fuck you. I'm like, I don't. Okay. And I was like, I will do anything. So I signed up for a bringer show at Broadway comedy club and a bringer show I have very mixed feelings, as do most comedians, about bringer shows because they can be a co-opportunity. They can be a waste of your time and bullshit, money, uh, greedy money hounds. But uh, this particular one, you had to invite five people. They had to pay a cover, 20 bucks, two drink minimum, to see people who have rarely ever done stand-up do 10 minutes of material, I think it was, or five, I forget. And, uh, and yeah, I did it. I remember making a joke about how my mom loves watching judge shows and how ridiculous I found judge shows to be. I forget what the exact joke was. But Corinne was there, and she was like, that didn't suck. I was like, thank you. Uh, I almost shit my pants. I was the most nervous I've ever been. How old been. are you? I was 23. Wow. Yeah. And do you do, do you have time to do a lot of stand-up still? Oh, yeah. Every night. Every night? Yeah. I try to get up every night. And how does stand-up differ from doing the podcast? Oh, man. Well, stand-up's a lot more prepared 
the podcast, I can go in and say, I want to talk about this, this, and this. I do not, we don't prep in terms of like writing things out. Like you're very, you're very prepared. We don't do that. Um, just cause that's the way our brains work the best. And we want to keep everything fresh and just because we're bouncing things off of each other. So we want our reactions to be, to be prepped. But for standup, I mean, the, the prepping is so much different. You're, you're making, you're making a, you're, you're making a sculpture. When you first have an idea for a joke, it's this huge chunk of clay and you have to take it to as many stages as you possibly can to eventually form the sculpture that you don't even realize, you don't even know what you want to make with it. Um, but you find the funny and you find the beats and you find places to do callbacks and, and to dive in more to a concept. And so, yeah, the prep that goes into that is, is, is real. Does most of your content come from real life? Yes, all of it. I don't have to make up any of this shit. We take us just quickly through your writing process. Are you are you a big writer? Do you write down or do you how do you mold I to get your perfect? Yeah, content? for a long time I thought that if you're a good comedian, that means you sit down with your notebook for at least an hour a day and you just write. And I never did that. I did that a couple times, but I'm like, okay, don't get hard on yourself. That's just not the your method. So I have my notes section on my phone is my most used app. And so whenever I have a concept or an idea or if I'm with friends and I say something and everyone's like, that's funny, that's a good bit. I'm like, oh yeah, I'll write it down. And then I'll just, when I go on stage, I'll hammock it in between two jokes that I know work really well. And certain shows I have more freedom on, certain shows I I only want to do the hits because of, you know, whatever the circumstances are. And so I'll just start talking about it. Do you get nervous? Yeah, but it's exciting. It's exciting, excitement, nervous. Before I go on stage, I yeah, I get ner- I get a little nervous because I'm like, because you don't know how it's gonna go. You really don't. Um, I don't think any comedian ever really truly knows how's it how it's gonna go because the audience could be great, the audience could be laughing but not out loud. So you th- just if you're going off of like what you hear, you think that you bombed, but really if you look at the audience face, they're like, I'm like that doesn't help. The silent laughter doesn't help. But um. But yeah, you never know how it's going to go, which is the the fun of it. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received with regards to comedy? Oh, regards to comedy. Um, we could do life after as well. For comedy, uh, talk about what you think is funny. Hmm. Stop. Ba- don't base it off of what the audience is going to think is funny. Fuck that. You're the only you. That's why you're a stand-up. No one else can do what you do, is tr- truly. And uh, that's why I love being a stand-up, because I love comedians. God, they're fucking... <laughs> Wonderful dirtbag people. I love them so much. Do you have any favorite comedians? Oh, of course. Uh, yeah, God, so many. Um, where do I begin? Uh, all the locals, like the the local comics that are like known in the scene. I love. Um, I love Michael Costa. I listened to. I re-listened to one of his albums on Spotify the other day. I fucking love him. I think he's so funny. Um, I love. Uh, I love Daniel Tosh. I love uh, Natasha Lachero. I love Kathy Griffin. I love um, Louis C.K. Chris Rock. I mean, all all of the ones that are beloved. I really, really love Hannibal Burris. Uh, Michael Che. Fucking. There's so many amazing. Yamanika Saunders. There's just so many amazing brilliant minds working in the comedy scene right now and it's really cool to be to be around them and in your last episode or do you guys release one today are you guys going to release one today? uh it's today friday then yes we did <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what day it is yes we did we released one today um in the last episode though with kathy griffin yeah yeah i think what what's amazing about her is i mean one how hard she works yeah. and she has a total badass i don't give a fuck I'm going to go do it mindset. Yeah. 
How has seeing somebody like that and talking to somebody like that kind of inspired you? Oh, my God. That was that is because at the end of the day, it's about what you you, where your life is going, where your career is going and whatever you're going to get out of your life and however people are going to perceive. It's about like what is your end goal? And for Kathy Griffin, her her focus is so laser sharp and it's on being a great comic. And that is just, I just respect the living fuck out of that because she has made, she has stood up for herself at times. Like one story she told about standing up to the head of Zucker, uh, Jeff Zucker and going in and asking for a raise because her team of representatives, which is fucked up, didn't want to ask him after she'd been on uh, just shoot me. was the, was the, was the sitcom she was on. I th- I'm pretty sure that I, I, I might be that might be totally wrong. My it's brain's okay. all we over the place. still love you, Kathy. Yeah, um, but the sitcom she was on, she was on it for three years before having this, and she did not get a raise for the, all those three years, which is kind of, I mean, I know a little bit the, about the industry with that shit, and I'm like, hey, shouldn't you got a raise? You're a big part of that show, and so her people didn't want to ask, and so she marched into his office and asked him herself. I'm like, goddamn, goddamn, Kathy. And she's like, yeah, and I paid, like she talked about, she's like, I paid for my house $10.3 million in cash. I'm like, fuck yeah, you did. I God, listen, that's so I, badass. I listened to that part exactly last night. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, it's pretty cool. It is. There's also something I was curious about. Um, many times I think men will say, of course I support women. Yeah, yeah. How? women. <laughs> like that, exactly like that. How, other than saying that, would you say men can truly support women? Yeah, I think by to truly support women, you don't have to say that at all because you should do it. And that's going to say so much more about you and about your character and about how aligned you are with what you value and what you respect in your life. And um, And I think... One of the biggest ways that I really, truly think men could be of so much service, and there's some men that do this, and it's like it's truly the best gift they could give women, is when they hear other men talk about women in a fucked up way or be disrespectful to a woman to say something because you think that guy's going to listen to a woman say, can you not? Say that to, like he's not going to listen if he's being disrespectful like that. I think it'll, I think it'll just mean more to that kind of guy to have it come from another dude and be like, what the fuck? What, why, why? And to, and to have another man interrogate why that guy is the way he is. Do your friends, both guy and girlfriends come to you more? So, I mean, maybe they always did because of just the person you are, but after you started the podcast, come to you for advice on certain subjects. Now that, you know, you've talked about it a lot with on your podcast. Um, no, I would say I would say one thing my friends come to me more about is, hey, I had this instance that was really weird. Have you ever heard of it? Like so something weird, really weird happened to me. Is this is this bizarre? And nine times out, it's never. I've I've almost always heard of it. There's never. There's usually no unique stories. So I can say like, oh well, I heard from this person about this topic that could kind of help them. So that's that's the new that's the new type of conversation that has been brought into my friends mix. We're going to take a quick break. Yes. So we're going to talk about those disgusting men that don't know what they're doing. Mm. Support for Where Is This Going comes from Manscaped, who is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools. Wait for it. This will be your favorite. For all of your family jewels. 
Wow. True poet. True poet. Ad company. Ad- <laughs> Do you have any... Uh, Do I have any thoughts? Thoughts, thoughts on Do this I subject? Do I have any thoughts Miss on manscaping? You know how many pubes I've had stuck in my teeth? Oh, Jesus. Felix? How many? A lot. Yeah. Not at once. So what do you say to those men? I say, shave your fucking balls. Um, Mm -hmm. I say, look, I've been, I've truly been up against every type of manscaping situation you could find yourself in. Um, One guy truly just did nothing. Just zero, let it out and grow. That's lovely. And um, I made it work because I was like, well, I mean, I've never, that was the first time I encountered that, to be honest. And it was, you know, not too long ago. Um, and it's not my favorite. I'm gonna I'm gonna be real. It's not my favorite. Um, a lot of pubes in the teeth. I think trim. I also think the opposite of going doing doing nothing and just taking it all away. That's a little weird too. You know what I mean? It's like I personally I like scruff because I'm like oh you're a man to me. I signify that with like some type of facial hair, um, and I really like facial hair. I think it's very attractive. So like I'm not saying go bald because that also to me personally. Is weird, but some women maybe it's, I'm sure it's their kink. So, Christina, guess what? What Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. They better make it. Their lawnmower good. 2.0. Wow, they're really trying to get has men pro- on board with this yard work metaphor. <laughs> this yard work has proprietary skin safe technology, oh, so wow. this trimmer will not nick or snag your nuts. You disgusting men. Well, that makes me want to buy it for my vagina. Hey, because I buy men's razors. I buy Gillette for men because they're made better. Come on, <laughs> fucking assholes. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. And I think you'll wow. agree with me on this one. Please do not use the same trimmer on your face that you're using on your balls. Yeah. Meh. Meh. You don't care? I cool. don't care. Manscaped also is the crop preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. <laughs> it's true. You already put deodorant on your armpits, so why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? Yeah, you pieces of shit. Exactly. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code WTG at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the job. And apparently your balls will thank you. Have you used these? Uh, they sent me a, a big care package, and I've, I've dabbled with a few of those. Um, You've picked up some utensils? A few of the utensils. Okay. And they work fantastic. Have you ever nicked your balls? Uh, no, especially not I with- I worry about that with yeah. men. No, it's, uh, we love them at Manscaped. Good, yeah. Me too. <laughs> Me too. If you, if you do want to use their, uh, to get some for you, WTG, 20% yeah. off and free shipping. Oh, fuck yeah. Then I will. The second I leave this table. Beautiful. <laughs> so Manscaped my pussy. There we go. Manscape your pussy. What is your best advice to people who struggle to talk about intimacy? Cry alone in a corner. Um, no, uh, ask, interrogate yourself. Why? What's scary? Imagine yourself talking about it with the person that you don't want to talk about it with or you're scared to talk about it with. Um, just imagine it in your brain. By your, be alone in your room, cuddled up in your bed, freshly manscaped, and uh, <laughs> go, hey, why am I scared of this? Um, I used to think I did not have intimacy problems and that it was everybody else uh, that I was seeing, but <laughs> spoiler alert, <laughs> I do. Um, who was it that uh, – oh, it was Tank Sinatra. 
we interviewed him and he gave us this really amazing definition of of intimacy, his definition of intimacy. He's like this beefy guy, but he's a teddy bear and he like loves talking about his feelings, like my kind of dude. And um, he said he thinks, he believes that true intimacy is when you could just be with the person on the couch and you don't have to say anything. And I never thought about it that way. That definition really kind of turned my world inside out a little bit because I was so, I'm, I'm on the self-help train for the past year and I'm really into figuring myself out and understanding my inner workings and navigating them and shaping them and molding them into, into what I want them to be. And, um, and so that definition of intimacy really uh, took threw me for a loop. And uh, yeah, I would say, so I understand the difficulties that can, that can come with talking about things, but I think first you got to work on yourself. Put the oxygen mat mask on you before you put it on another person. American Airlines. Yep. Or Delta. Or, do That's you, my airline. <laughs> shout out Delta. Yeah. Um, does it ever scare you to know that the world knows so much about your life? I feel like it should, but it doesn't. Why do you think that is? Why do I think it doesn't? Yeah. Um, because... What, are you going to criticize me for being myself? I mean, I don't... Sorry. If you have a problem with... If you have a problem with me, it's actually a problem with yourself. But I really do believe that. Like, whenever somebody really bugs me and gets under my skin, it's always because I'm either afraid I have that quality or I do have that quality and I hate it about myself. What we say and talk... When we talk about it, like, gossip, like... Sometimes gossip can be so much fun, but sometimes it can feel like cancerous. And when it's like that, it's like, oh, it's really because I hate this thing about myself. So I'm just going to put it on another person that's experiencing this too. So I can just kind of throw them under the bus. And that feels gross. Um, you and, and Corinne bounce off each other for every podcast. Yeah. How do you guys spend time outside of the podcast? And what what's that like? What is outside of the fact that you guys together now have one of the best podcasts in the world? What does she mean to you? As a oh, person. Oh, my God. Corinne means everything to me. Corinne is one of the few people that... She's one of the only people that I can talk to about very specific experiences that we go through. There's another... It's like being a tw having a t career twin because there's another person who knows exactly what you're going through because they are going through quite literally the exact same thing. Um, and then on top of that, Corinne is so different from me. We're very different people. The thing that connects us is our sense of humor. And so that's very helpful. And in trying to navigate how we handle situations and how we handle business meetings and how we handle what the, what our etiquette is as a comedy duo. And, um, and I, Corinne is truly, um, one of the best people I've ever met. And it's been really interesting as, you know, Guys We Fucked has gotten uh, in the public eye and we've gotten, you know, just been thrusted into the public eye a little bit. Um, she really is somebody, and I've, I've maybe perhaps the only person I know who has a normal level of self-confidence and self-esteem. And it's been so interesting to see so many people, and this ties back to when you critique another person, it's really because you, I believe it's a lot of times because you're scared you have these qualities. People throw their own insecurities onto her all the time. I see it all the time. I've seen it in interviews happening. I've seen it on radio interviews, uh, uh, like publication interviews. 
um, where people will just assume that she's the most insecure person in the world or like throw that on her or tell her how she is. I have watched so many people tell Corinne who she is and, and it's, and it's fucking, I'm exhausted. I can't imagine how she feels. And so it's always, it's taught me a lot about the human condition because there are so little people. And I've been guilty of this with Corinne myself of, of being upset with her, but it's really because she did something with such confidence that I made me question myself and I didn't like that. And that made me uncomfortable. So I would lash out on her and she's like, I'm not doing this. And, um, and it's just so, it's been so eye opening. Corinne means so much to me. We're really good friends. And, um, we, we do spend a lot of time together. Uh, but it's all, it's mostly work, but we make sure that work is really fun. And so every once in a while though, we're like, we need to go on like a sorry about last night outing. And like just do something that's not work. That's just pure for fun. So we make sure to do that a lot. This relationship is, it's the most I've ever worked on any relationship in my whole life. And it's the most rewarding relationship I've had. How do you guys, what's the dialogue like when there's a disagreement? Oh, it's really great. It's just like, uh, cause it's basically like, well, if you disagree, why defend yourself basically? Um, I, there was a long time where I had trouble standing up for my own ideas and opinions. And I would just say, well, if you think this, then we'll just do this. And because I thought disagreeing with a person meant that I was dissing their idea. And that's just so not the case. And also it meant that I wasn't secure enough in my own creativity. That's really the bottom line. And so as we've grown and worked our asses off and uh, I'm be growing into myself and being confident about my ideas. So very, very amicable disagreements that we have because it's, it's just a creative conversation. It's like, well, what's every project we work on is a puzzle. So, and then there's all that, that you can approach, have so many different approaches with. And so it's just fun to be like, well, what would it be like if we approach it this way? Or what would it be like if we approach it this way? So it's just problem solving. Has the podcast been in a way therapeutic for you? Yeah. Doing podcasts is therapeutic for me. I fucking love talking. I'll talk all damn day. Do you think this podcast would have started if... Corinne's the the whole story about Corinne's getting terrib- dumped. Yes, no, that was the impetus. Wow. Yeah. So where do you think you'd be at today if it wasn't for that? I don't know. Doing some cool shit for sure. Whatever we would have done, we would have done. Been doing something cool. Where do you think this? Um, I mean, I've only. I think it's been about an hour. But do you? You can tell when somebody walks into a room if they're a hard worker or not. Oh, you can, yeah. And at least for me. Okay. And I, one of the things, I mean, you can hear it even through the podcast. It's not like just because you walked in the room, I, th- I think now you're a hard worker. Right. We can tell how serious somebody is about their stuff. Yeah. I think you're probably one of the hardest workers I've ever met. Whoa, thanks. And I'm very curious as to where that stems from. Corinne. <laughs> <laughs> where, where are you at, Corinne? She's, she, no, seriously, I, I get scared of, of being great. I get scared of success. I'm, I, there's a part of me that's self-sabotage-y. Um, I think that's not uh, abnormal. Um, Corinne doesn't have that. Uh, Corinne truly has the ability to juggle a lot of projects and be sane and maintain her sanity. And so I think I was, I thought that, and it's a sense from my insecurity. I'm like, well, she's doing all this shit. I, I should do all this other shit too. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Stop, Christina. How do you work? What works best for you? What do you want to work on? And how, you know, you know, so, um, but Corinne lights, lights a fire under my ass with that stuff a lot because I'll get, I say lazy, but that's me getting down on myself. I get scared of, 
of what's going to come out of an opportunity uh, a lot of times. And she is, doesn't. And so in turn, that's kind of shaped me into like, get the fuck over it, Christina. Like, just don't be scared. Choose not to be scared. Or if you're scared, fucking who cares? Lean in. What about success scares you? Um, that it doesn't scare me anymore, but it was that I don't deserve it or that I'll take it and, and then I'll ruin it for myself or that I'll, 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 I'll go crash down crashing and burning and be a failure and everyone will laugh at me. Um, yeah, the, the norm. Is it mostly you're afraid to, that all those things are going to happen to you or is it, you know, the people around you, you don't want to disappoint the people around you? Yeah, actually, I don't. I, as much as I care about whatever other people think, uh, I don't give a fuck about that in terms of success. I don't care about what people around me think of the success. Um, we've been very fortunate that they're very supportive, and like we get a lot of respect in the comedy community because we've built something from the ground up, and it feels earned. It really does feel earned. We've Corinne and I have truly worked our asses off, and I am so thankful of all every little ounce of success that we can enjoy, and and. One of the best parts for me is just having respect in the comedy community from people that I respect so much. That's the most rewarding part. And, uh, yeah. Will you, speaking of, like, struggles and building from the ground up, first of all, I'm honored that you've done some of the biggest shows and you host one of the biggest shows in the world. I'm honored to have... Well, your email was very well thought out. I'm like, this is somebody who gives a shit, and then I'm not just talking because I feel like they have to. Thank you very much. <laughs> what would you say to me or other young people, either whether it's a podcast, if they're a comedian, mm -hmm. building from the ground up. Yeah. How we talk about first, it's kind of like a three-part question. Some of the earliest struggles that you remember, some of the doubts, and then if you have a best piece of advice for someone like myself who's just kind of, you know, three or four months in getting into this, this world. I think there's one answer that could kind of encompass all three of those questions and that is follow your curiosity it's really as simple as that don't overcomplicate it follow your curiosity I think the world would be a better kinder more productive more successful place if people approach things with curiosity which means no judgment um, so what interests you? What do you want to talk about? What, what's a topic or a conversation that you would love to dive into? What's, uh, and that's, and keep your head focused on that and fuck all the other things. When you set out to make the best podcast in the world, you won't. That's why well, I, I, I think it bears repeating that Corinne and I truly didn't think anyone was going to listen to this. We didn't, care of course when we you know as a comic any project you wanted to take off we truly did not have we just wanted to do something that we could really get behind that we we're like this is a really fucking good idea and i'm amped on this idea and i want to call my exes now and have all these conversations like for that for us that was that was the that was the magic ingredient and i think whatever um topics that you enjoy whatever categories whatever facets of life little corners and crevices that you want to dig into go go follow your curiosity how do you continue to be curious i i will never i'll be curious till the day i die what about think, everything where do you think that stems from i just maybe a sense of control a little bit um i just want to know how things work but also i am i know that I'm not right about everything. I'm probably wrong about a lot of shit. And I'm so open to being wrong 
that's another tip I would say. Be open to being wrong about everything because if you're not, you're a stupid piece of shit. And I really believe that from the bottom of my heart. <laughs> What's one time that you were so confident you were right, but you were so fucking wrong? Oh, God. Probably like that a guy was in love with me. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Because I really come to the table with everything of like, hey, I could be totally off base, but this is the feeling that I have. So let's go with it. And then if it takes us to turn a hard right, then that's what we'll do. Is there one guest in particular you're dying to get on, guys we fucked? Louis C.K. We would nail that interview. You would kill it. Corinne and I are... I, f- I have so many strong feelings I wanna, about this. I, I, I want to hear him I soon. want the word. Yes. I, I want, think everyone does. I think every, I, I truly think, and actually this is something that I'm very confident on and I'm not open to being wrong about this. <laughs> <laughs> I really truly think that if, uh, that that is the interview that will uh, do a lot, all of the things that everybody wants to happen. You know, Especially on yours. I don't think any other podcast. protest. Yeah. yeah sorry, 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 I was interrupting you. No, no. I think he must go on your podcast before any other interview in the world. I agree. I I agree because we have all of the perspectives. We're not again you hold people accountable, but also we're of the mindset of if you do some fucked up shit, hold yourself accountable and then can we not just call you the devil all the time? Not that that's what people are doing, but um I think he's uh, one of the most talented comedians working. And um, well, he's not really working now. He's still working. He is still working. Um, but I also think it's very valid that he did some really s- terrible shit. And I want to talk about that. And I would, I would, we would crush that I interview. 100% agree. Have you reached out? Yeah, I've, I've, uh, I've tried. Yeah. Uh, I think he's still with that manager who like tried to cover it up. For him, so I'm like, eh, he's probably not gonna be that receptive. <laughs> but buddy, if you were smart, um, just because uh, I, I heard from people who work in the industry way higher than me that uh, there was a point where he wasn't reading the news, so he wasn't like he wasn't aware that he knew like the, obviously he released an apology statement and all that stuff, so he knew that came out, but he wasn't really fully aware of the scope. And um, and then he became aware when people started protesting like outside the comedy cellar, and then I think he grew frustrated or something. And so I'm like, uh, hey, buddy. Come on. <laughs> but do you think he'll make a return to comedy? Yeah, he's I think he's do, I think that's already been brewing. Uh, he was at Skankfest. I saw him. <laughs> I saw him at we did a Kurt and I are part of Bonnie McFarlane and Rich Voss are a married couple, two of the funniest comedians on the planet working today. They're fucking rock stars. They have a show called Would You Bang Him where five uh, female comedians this is the only time it's okay to say female comedians. Uh, sit on the stage and uh, in chairs, and then a guy goes up and does a stand-up set, and then we all say if we'd fuck him afterwards. It's like it's uh, it was the most power I've ever had, and um, but there was like the guys that ended up coming on the show were our friends like Michael Che and Ari Shafir. I'm like this feels weird, but okay, and uh, and then we didn't know who the lineup was, so Ari Shafir came on. Then Michael Che, I'm like oh shit, this is like all of our like friends, but like our rock star comic friends, and I look over to the side of the stage. <laughs> And fucking Louis C.K. was standing there. And I was like, wait, wait, what? I was like, Corinne, that's Louis C.K. She's like, what? Oh, fuck. I'm like, is he going to 
do a stand-up set and we got to say if we'd fuck him because that's <laughs> really uncomfortable slash hilarious. Yeah. Um, but he didn't. Um, he didn't go on. He, he ended up doing another show on Skankfest um, that got a lot of press because people were pissed about it. People were happy about it. People were whatever about it. And um, so he is actively doing shows. Have you ever met him? Um, I met him, met him in the hallway once when I was volunteering for a benefit. It was, that's, I mean, it was just like, hey, like, uh, hey, just n- nothing to write home about. But the, also, that's a normal interaction you would have with any person. If you have a two sentence pitch to him for why you should go on Guys We Fucked. No matter what you're thinking about in your mind right now, I promise you that this is a really good idea. Boom. That's it. One sentence pitch. Bitch. Boom. Boom. What's next for you? I guess, you know, I mean, there's the podcast, but also personally, do you have, yeah. do you set goals for yourself? Do you, how's that? Yeah. I just, I just had to re- recalibrate with that. Cause I'm like, just cause you've met some of these career goals that you really didn't think you knew were possible, but you were like, Oh shit, I did it. You have to keep setting higher ones. So, um, I'm coming out with a podcast of my own. Um, that I'm really excited about. Actually. What's it called? I, I think it's going to be called The Voices in Our Heads. Um, I just, my my friend Colin, who's a musician, uh, uh, helped me write this like intro song. That is so, like, it's so good it made me cry. Um, and I'm really excited about that because I want to talk about, there's certain things I want to talk about that aren't sex. Like I, I have so many other things I want to talk about that aren't sex. So that's going to be the hub for that. And um just continuing to do stand up. I'm headlining clubs by myself now, which is exciting. And um, I want to be in movies. I'm making a short film. That's gonna be cool. That we're filming that in late August, and I'm I'm writing it. I'm paying for it. I'm doing all the things. Wow. And this is like my little baby. Cause I I majored in acting. I really I like acting is was always like the first real dream of mine. And I'm good at it. So hire me. You know. Do you feel like you're more of an actor, comedian, or? Or for you, are they kind of There's the same a similar thing. Yeah. category? I think a lot of stand-up comics, I think almost every stand-up comic who's successful is is automatically a great actor because that's what you're doing on stage. You're doing a heightened version of you. Where do you think the state of comedy is at today? It's fucking in the goddamn gutter. Why? Because everyone feels like they uh, that they're taking offense to a comedian's joke should result in that comedian getting torn down. And that's the the goal. Stand-up comedy is designed by its nature to to push what you are comfortable with and to push what you're comfortable with hearing, thinking, saying. To me, I'm not saying that my particular stand-up does that, uh, but I'm some of my favorite comedians. That's why I love I like Louis C.K.'s comedy. He is a motherfucking boundary pusher. I love like people like <laughs> one of my favorite bits that I heard. Uh, years and years and years ago, Natasha Leggero, she goes, ever notice how it's your ugliest friend who's always the most afraid of getting raped? I'm like, oh, fucking Christ. That joke made me so uncomfortable and it was so funny. But I was like, damn, Natasha Leggero. Fucking God, that is like the perfect joke to me because it's not easy to hear and it makes people really uncomfortable. And think. And it's funny. And, and also too, like if you don't think something's funny, I've been offended and I think this bears repeating as many times as possible. I have been offended by stand-up comics jokes. I have. Because that's a, it's human nature to be offended by something. To, that's, it's going to happen to you in your life. It's okay. You don't have to say anything. Just be offended. Go, oh, why was I offended? What values of mine did that? But whatever the fuck you want to do. And then you just go, to, go home. 
You don't have to go tweet about it. Not everyone's opinion matters. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Do you think everything is on limits in comedy? Yeah. And I think that uh, when a joke doesn't work and it truly just comes off as hateful, the, the, for co- the way a comic thinks, the way a comedian thinks is, wow, that is not, that joke was racist or sexist or homophobic or the joke wasn't good. Just because if someone's like, fucking queers, that's not funny. That's just, it's not funny. You can, of course, say it's hateful and that's fine. But from a co- the way a comic thinks about these concepts is, is that the, my, my sculpture is still a mold of clay and I'm still trying to figure it out. Because when it doesn't hit like that, first of all, it's not the, the ending, the end product, usually nine times out of 10. And, uh, and that's how we think about it. There, there have been many comedians who've like, like, uh, who is the fucking guy from Seinfeld who went on, like, a racist rant? I wasn't, I didn't, I forget exactly what we said, but it was just a lot of racist shit was said. And I'm like, yeah, that's just, what the fuck? Is he psych, he seems psychotic. Like, that's just, there's no joke there. There's no nothing. And so, you know, I do think uh, nothing is off limits, but I do think it's very possible to fuck up a joke on any topic. How would you describe your brand of comedy? Goofy, silly, childlike. Um, and imaginative and story, very storytellery. I do a lot of act outs. Act outs are like my favorite thing in the world. Why do you think that is? Because I like acting. <laughs> so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to just make an acting job for me on stage <laughs> in front of these people. Do you ever get sick of being always associated to people? People I imagine... Some the guys might, who fucked girls. Yeah, or, or thinking that you you only talk about sexuality and that's the only thing that you think about? No, because if you think that, this is your fucking problem. I don't get sick of it because I know I'm multifaceted. Exactly. There you go. Where's Christina Hutchinson in 20 years? Oh, boy. Actually, give me 5, 10, 20. Oh, my God. Not to get dark. <laughs> 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 who said I was going dark? I was. Five years, I hope I'm um, headlining theaters and and in movies and on red carpets and winning Emmys and maybe Tony because I can do play acting. I've done some fucking Stanislavski shit and, um, and Oscars. I want to win an Oscar. That's maybe 10 years, five years Emmy, 10 years Oscar, 20 years I'm sitting pretty in Maui. And Ma- why Maui? Because I don't fucking know. It's just what came off the top of my head. Probably not Maui. There you go. You can find Christina Hutchinson on Twitter <laughs> at Christina Hutch. That's K-R-Y-S-T-Y-N-A-H-U-T-C-H. The same on Instagram. Your website, ChristinaHutchinson.com. Are there any big dates? This is going to be released in about September. Great. So, yeah, there's one. Uh, I'm headlining uh, American Comedy Company in San Diego. What are the dates, you ask? Oh, great question. Let me take out my calendar Please for do. just one second because I don't fucking In the meantime, you can find Guys We Fuck, the anti-slut-shaming podcast on literally everything on Earth. Yes, and all new episodes are available exclusively on the Luminary app. Go get Luminary. November 21st to the 23rd, American Comedy Company, San Diego, California. There she will be. Christina, I said this earlier Oh, what? That's a big pause. It was a big pause. I genuinely, you know, Joe Rogan is a huge idol of mine. Mm-hmm. And when I first listened to you on Joe Rogan, I loved it. 
Awesome. And to have you come on to my show um, is a true honor. So thank you for taking the time. Thank you for having me.